Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Your presence has been incredible in this place. Thank you for coming, Lord. Let us never take it for granted that Jesus comes into this place. Let us never be a people who take it for granted that Jesus comes into this house. Thank you, Jesus, that you've come to visit your people. Thank you, Lord, that you've come to inhabit the praises of your people, to sit on the praises of your people. You alone are worthy, Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. You are worthy, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your presence. Thank you that you've come to change us, to meet with us, to touch lives. You're so good, Jesus. We love you. We love you. We love you. Oh, there's something about his presence. There's something about his presence. It does something to you. Changes you. It rearranges your priorities. Things slow down in the presence of the Lord. You can be in the presence of the Lord for sometimes hours and it feels like minutes. Sometimes minutes and it feels like hours. It doesn't make any sense. And it's wonderful and it's beautiful. I'm going to go forward when I feel like we're supposed to, okay? I promise. I told the Lord a long time ago that if He would supply the anointing, I'd give Him the man. And I'm not going back on that promise. He's still the boss. He's still the boss. And he's here. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. How many of you were here a couple weeks ago and had headaches and you got prayed for? One person. Really, that the only person? Taylor, you were the only person? Have you had a headache since? Okay. Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I don't know why I was supposed to think about that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Let's move on. Let's go to Psalm 21 this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
as today or since a few weeks ago? Okay. I feel like that was a very private conversation happening publicly. Kathy said that she usually has to go to physical therapy because of her neck and she has headaches if she doesn't go to physical therapy. And when we prayed a few weeks ago, she didn't stand up, but um, she hasn't been able to go to physical therapy since then and she hasn't had any headaches since then. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's going to sound strange. Does anybody in here, I promise I want to move on. It is way more comfortable to move on and do something that you have planned. I promise. Does anybody in here have arthritis in their hands or their wrist or arthritic type pains? Okay. If that's you, will you stand up really quickly? That is way more people than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Listen, can I, just real quick, this is called a word of knowledge. It's when the Lord gives you information that you shouldn't have otherwise. When you see something like this, there's like, were there five people here in a row that all have the same condition? That doesn't happen on accident. Either you all are all woodworkers who all need to take it easy, or the Lord is trying to do something. Does that make sense? Like those kind of coincidences don't happen. Okay? If you're around these people that are standing up, can I get at least one person to stand with every person? I promise I want to move on. And I'll go quick. I'm not going to keep you here long today. If you're being prayed for, I don't want you to pray for somebody else, okay? We're just going to pray really quickly. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not going to apologize for what the Lord's doing. So I'm sorry I said I'm sorry. Can somebody get with Judy? All right, this one sounds way more weird. This one may not be the Lord. This one may just be Brandon. Is there someone who has a um, who has been diagnosed with an issue with their small intestine? It's a disease or an infection in the small intestine. I told you that one might just be Brandon. Anybody? Where? Ed? Is that you? Okay, well, now you can't pray with him. Somebody's got to pray with you. John, go get it. And back here. And we've got there's two people with small intestine issues. That can't be right. Mal, will you grab her? I mean, not physically grab her, but all right. We're going to pray. Another one with a small intestine issue? You're kidding. Okay, does everybody who's being prayed for have someone praying for them? Sherry, don't cheat. You can't pray for her. Listen, it's important. It's important. If you're being prayed for, I just want you to receive. Okay? If you're being prayed for, I just want you to receive. Sometimes we get in our own way by trying to say, I receive, I receive, I receive, I receive, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Don't do that. Close your eyes and look at Jesus, okay? We are going to pray. If you're praying for one of these people, you are not a healer. Good news is Jesus is and he is here. Jesus is and he is here. We sang about how Jesus is worthy. He is worthy because he has paid the price. Yes, for your sins, but also for your healing. His back was marred, Isaiah said, beyond the image of a man. This is the degree that Jesus went to that you might experience healing. So we're going to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, not because we are able, but because Jesus is. We do what you've asked us to do, not out of our own ability, but Lord, in your might and power, we ask you, Holy Spirit, glorify the name of Jesus. We rebuke every sickness, 
every disease and every infirmity in this house. Lord, we speak to the arthritic condition in the hands and the fingers and in the wrists, and we rebuke the pain in Jesus' name, and we say, go. Holy Spirit, we pray that freedom would come now in the name of Jesus, that bones and joints that are locked down would be loosened for the glory of the name of Jesus into the small intestines where doctors have spoken a sickness or an illness or prescribed problems. Lord, we declare a new word. And the word is the ripped up back of the Savior of all creation. In this place, Lord, we declare freedom and healing and prosperity in their bodies even as it is well with their souls according to the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, glorify Your name in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Did anybody have pain in their body currently when they came in presently? Like I'm talking about something you would know it went. You had pain when you came in? How does it feel? Better? 80% better? 50% better? 50% better? All right, we'll take it. Thank you, Lord. It is way more comfortable to just go forward with what you have planned, I promise. Did somebody have a surgery planned for their hand or wrist? Yeah, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. I saw it this morning. I knew it was you. Did you stand up and get prayed for? Stand up. I knew it was you. I almost said it. I'm coming down there. Stretch your hands this way. Is it your wrist? Your hand? Super conventional. But I'm having a blast. (sighs) It's important to stop and make sure you're still on the same page with Jesus. What if I'd have went on? What if we'd have moved on and somebody didn't get prayed for here that got healed just now? We love you, Jesus. Okay, now I think we can move on. Psalm 21. I'll go fast. I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll dig in, okay? <laughs> Lord, in your strength, the king will be glad. That's little K king. That's David talking about himself. And in your salvation, how greatly he will rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and you will not and you have not withheld the request of his lips. Verse 3, For you meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked for life from you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. That sounds pretty good, right? Psalm 21 is a praise for salvation. It is a psalm of thanksgiving. It is. This doesn't always work this way, but in this case it does. Psalm 21 is connected with Psalm 20. 
Um, not every psalm goes that way, but in this case it does. In Psalm 21, David is giving thanks, and the people around David are giving thanks for what God has done. In Psalm 20, we have the prayer for petition for what they've asked God to do. I'm going to read you a few verses. May the Lord answer you on the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send help from the sanctuary and support you from Zion. May he remember all your meal offerings and accept your burnt offerings. May he grant you your heart's desire and fulfill your whole plan. We will sing for joy over your victory. And in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your desires. It's a pretty specific prayer. And the prayer in Psalm 20 is um, it's not kind of answered. It is explicitly answered in Psalm 21. For instance, in Psalm 20, they say, hey, may the Lord grant you your heart's desires. In Psalm 21, they say, you, Lord, have given him, David, his heart's desire. So it is not that, um, it is not that the Lord shows up and does something kind of what David is asking for. It is not that the Lord shows up and somewhat answers the prayer and petition of David and the people. It is that the Lord shows up and meets David and the people exactly where they are, exactly exactly how they're asking, and shows up and does and performs to the prescription that Israel was asking for. Like, there are moments where we have petitions and cries to God and He doesn't answer and we don't understand. Or maybe He answers in a way that's um, different than we thought He should have answered. And often, most of the time, if not every time, it well, I should say every time, it's better than we ever thought it could have went or would have went because we thought it should have went this way, but God had it go this way. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But that didn't happen here. The Lord put a prayer on David's heart, put a prayer on Israel's heart, because that's the only way they could have known to pray the will of God. And then in Psalm 21, it says that God answered exactly what they were praying for. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And then we jump down in Psalm 21. I'm sorry if I feel like I'm going a little fast, but I want to get through this. In verse 6, and David says this, You make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with the joy of your presence. You make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with the joy of your presence. That, um, that is a strange statement after you have been given everything that you've asked for. It would The reason says you've made me joyful because you've answered everything that I've asked for. Or you make me joyful because you've provided everything that I needed provided. Or you make me joyful because I'm not dead. Because David said I need salvation. And uh, David would say in another psalm, who can praise you from Sheol or from the dead? So David could have said you make me joyful because I'm not dead. Or because you saved me. Or because you provided for me. Or you gave me long days. Or you have blessed the kingdom. He could have said all of those things. But David chooses after listing out all of the ways that God answers exactly what he was asking for, David chooses to say, I am joyful, not because of any of the stuff you have done or any of the things you have provided, but because you have come near to me. You come near to me. And this is what makes David a man after God's own heart. We think worship is what makes David a man after God's own heart. Worship is the byproduct of this. Worship is the fruit of this heart. 
This heart is the heart that says, if you give me everything I ever asked for, I'll thank you for it, but I will only find the fullness of my joy in the person of who you are. And out of that relationship is birthed a heart that says, because you are so wonderful, I have to worship you. I cannot not worship you. When we talk about worship, the heart of worship is birthed out of the revelation of his worth. The apostles told us for years, it is worth-ship. Worth-ship. How do you know how much he's worth? You've got to see him. You've got to find him. You've got to read about him. You've got to know him. So David is a man of worship, but the reason he's a man after God's own heart is not because he worships. He worships because he's a man after God. He's a man after God. And David says, I've got everything I've asked for, everything I need, everything I've cried out for, but I am only joyful because of you. Because of you. That word for joyful, it means exactly what you think it means. It means joyful. And it means glad. In other words, it is not the, I don't mean to offend anybody, but it is not the American Christian version of joyful. It is not the grit your teeth and make it to work on Monday morning kind of joyful. It is not the fold your arms and make it through kind of joyful. It is not the put your chin down, tuck it in, and keep walking, hope the devil doesn't see you kind of joyful. That's our joyful. That's not Jesus' joyful. Jesus' is joyful is actually, this is going to wow your mind, Jesus' joyful actually comes with joy. It actually comes with gladness. It actually comes with, if I can say it this way, it actually comes with being happy. It actually comes with being happy. And David said, I am joyful because of the joy that comes from you. David does not say, I have joy because of your joy. He could have said, I have access to joy because of your joy, or I have some joy because of your joy. But he says, I am joyful. I'm joyful. You cannot be joyful unless your joy is full. That may sound dumb, but that's the truth. If my joy is not full, then I am not joyful. I have joy. And most of us live with depleted joy because... We're looking to other stuff to fulfill the joy when Jesus promised in an inferior Old Testament covenant that Him and Him alone is enough to fulfill my joy. He and He alone. He is the source of all life and the source of all joy. The source of all joy. Here's the problem. In the New Testament, Jesus throws us a curveball. In John 16... Jesus is talking about, he's getting ready to leave. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to give his life up. Disciples not super pumped about it. Jesus says, don't worry, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to come live on the inside of you. It's going to be wonderful. And here's what's going to happen. When the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, you're going to have the ability to pray in my name. And on that day, when you pray in my name, you're going to ask and receive so that your joy may be made full. John 16, 24, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Now he goes on, ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Now hang on a second. If in an inferior covenant, in the Old Testament, Jesus' presence alone is enough to fulfill my joy, 
to fill my joy. How is it that in the New Testament, after his death, after his burial, after his resurrection, after the infilling of the Spirit, that I have to ask and receive to have full joy? Those two things don't line up. Those two things don't line up. It's like, it's like in, in Proverbs where he says, rebuke a fool, don't rebuke a fool. It's like, which one am I supposed to do? It's a great question. How is it that I have full joy and yet I am required, according to Jesus, to ask, to pray, to intercede, to receive answers, and have full joy that way? This is the only way I know to describe it. It is, it is a... a um, let me say this first. It is because fullness in the kingdom doesn't look like what we call full. Fullness in the kingdom looks different than what we call full. This, um, this is the example I used at nine. I should have brought it down here. I'll just use this. This flask of oil is not full. None of you would call this full, right? If I filled it up to the top, to the brim, most of, it, most of us would call it full. Or we would call it all the way full is what I would say. All the way full. I don't know why I would say it that way, but that's what I would say. I would say it's all the way full. It's all the way full. The kingdom would not call that it was full if it was to the brim. The kingdom would only call that full if it was spilling over. Only when that started to spill over would the kingdom call it full. Damon Thompson tells a story about sitting at a gas station at like 3 a.m. after a revival service, and he got a Gatorade from the... Um, from the gas station, and he was sitting in his car, and the Lord asked him, is the cup full? And he said, well, yeah, I think so. And the Lord said, could you fit one more drop in it? And he said, well, you probably one more drop. And then I think the story goes on, and he asked him, could you fit, you know, 10 or 100, or however many it goes on. And the Lord started to talk to him about the fullness of the kingdom. The kingdom looks at fullness as spilling over. David said in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. That is how the kingdom defines fullness. Jesus in John 7, he says, If you're thirsty, come to me and take a drink. Why? Because out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Do you know why out of your belly flow rivers of living water? It's not because you release it. It is because you are so full that he is spilling over. If he is not flowing out of you, take another drink. Take another drink. And if he's still not flowing out of you, stay there and drink until he starts spilling out of places. Because that's how Jesus defines fullness. When the fullness of the kingdom comes, whatever is in spills out. Because what is in isn't meant to stay in. It's meant to get out. Because what is in you is not just for you. It's for the people around you. So the only way I know how to describe this is Jesus says there is a fullness of joy that comes from my presence. And yet, in the New Testament, you better ask and receive so that your joy may be full. It is a five-gallon bucket under the water spigot, and you turn it on. And eventually, that bucket fills up, and the bucket's running over, but don't turn the water off. Because it is a continual filling of the Spirit and a continual filling of joy. So we have a five-gallon bucket and the water is pouring in and the water is pouring out and the kingdom says, now it's full. Now it's full. And here we come with the answers of prayers that we've received. The answers of prayers that we received. And they're cups. They're not a bucket, they're cups. And they're full of water. And so we pour them into the bucket. They're full of water. We pour them into a bucket that's already overflowing with water. Did we add anything to the bucket? 
No bottom. This is the same thing at nine. Did we add anything to the bucket? The cups are full of water. We added something, right? But was the bucket in need of anything? The bucket had no need. The bucket had no need. The bucket was already full and overflowing. But we still added something to it. Because fullness looks like overflowing. And it may not make a huge difference to the bucket, but ask the ground around the bucket if it felt the difference when the cup was poured in. Ask the ground around the bucket if it could tell when the dumps of the cups of water came, if it could feel the gush of the overflow of the water as it spilled out of the bucket. There are some people that don't know how to stand under the spigot named Jesus. And they are looking for water. They are looking for joy. They are looking for hope. They are looking for salvation. And all they know is, is there are buckets all around them. And most of our buckets are pretty full, but not full enough to spill over. And so Jesus comes along in the Old Testament and says, in me you can have the fullness of joy. And then in the New Testament he says, and I've given you greater access. Now you have a power that lives on the inside of you. And via the person of the Holy Spirit, you have access to my name. The name that's been put above every other name. And in this name, circumstances, situations, sicknesses, and death itself will bow. So that your bucket will overflow. That's better than your response. So your bucket will overflow. Because I've got family that needs joy. I've got co-workers that need joy. I've got people that I see that need joy that have no idea that there is a fullness of joy that is waiting for them that is not hoping that everything lines out. It is not waiting on everything to line out. Jesus says there is fullness of joy in His presence and yet you better pray and you better ask so that you may have fullness of joy. It is not that we are dependent on the answers. And yet Jesus says, you better pray and ask. You better pray and ask. Because your bucket might be doing pretty well with just you and Jesus. But the people around you need Him too. They need Him too. David goes on. Are you okay? I'm doing pretty good on time here, I think. David goes on. Verse 7. So he's just said, you make him joyful with the joy of your presence. Verse 7, for the king trusts in the Lord and through the faithfulness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. That's a weird thing to say when everything went your way. Usually at our house, when miracles show up, we do not say we trust in you and we won't be shaken. Usually after cancer is defeated, we don't say we trust in you and won't be shaken. After God provides for the bills, our first prayer is usually not we trust in you and we will not be shaken. Usually it's something like you're incredible and we knew you were going to do it, even though that's probably not true. We knew you were going to do it. We didn't doubt for a second. But David says, I trust in you and I will not be shaken. After he spent five verses saying, you answered every one of my requests and you fulfilled every one of my petitions and you did everything that I asked for. Why? Because in verse eight and nine, your hand will find all your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. You will make them as a fiery oven. That's beautiful language, isn't it? A fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and fire will devour them. 
What's he saying? Verses 1 through 5, everything is peachy. You did everything I asked for. You answered every one of my petitions. 7, 8, and 9, what's he saying? There's still more stuff on the horizon. There's still more stuff on the horizon. Because this is the problem with living with joy that only comes by answers. You'll never have all the answers. You'll never have all the answers. Paul said, even when you prophesy, you see in part, hear in part, prophesy in part. If you prophesy in part, how, many, how do your answers come? How many of our answers get answered? I want them all to get answers. But if I live a life that says the fullness of joy is only accessible when every need, every circumstance, every horizon is cleared, then I will never be able to live in the fullness of joy. David was a man of war. Solomon got to live in peace. But do you know why Solomon got to live in peace? Because David was a man of war. Fathers fight so their sons can live in peace. Oh. Father, uh, dads fight so sons can stand on ground that they've already taken. I gotta come down. Dads take ground. Sons build with the king's supply that they've already conquered. David gets credit for building the house of the Lord. Who built it? It's Solomon's temple. Do you know where the gold and silver came from? It was the battles that David won. Solomon got peace and everybody ran to his feet to sit at his feet because his daddy whooped them so bad they dare not raise their sword against King Solomon. Dads take ground and sons get to live in the victory. But it is the Joshua's that remain in the tabernacle that recognize that the victory that I'm in is not enough for my sons. I've got to take ground too so that they can live in victory. What happened to Solomon's sons? He turned from the Lord. Why? Because Solomon got satisfied with the fat of the land and the good that he had been given. And he refused to progress the kingdom. And this kingdom goes on and on and on and on. This kingdom has to go on. It has to go on. So David, a man of war. about forgot how I got there. David, a man of war has all of these things that the Lord has given to them, all these blessings, all these graces, all these mercies, all this goodness. And he says, thank you, Lord, but it's only your presence. And then he looks out on the horizon. He says, there's the Philistines. There's all the mites and the ites. And there's all the folks that are coming after me. And Israel's under siege again. And we don't know if we're going to make it again. And do we call a fast? Or do we barricade in? Or do we go out and get them? Or Lord, could we sneak around from behind again? And he says again, he says, my fullness of joy is only in your presence. Verse 6 in this psalm, it is, the, it is the balance of these two sides of the psalm. The rest of the psalm is about how God will hunt down and destroy the enemies. Why is David talking about hunting down and destroying enemies? Because there are enemies. There are enemies. The first five verses, everything is beautiful. And God has done everything well. And David stands in the middle of that and says, but my fullness of my joyfulness is only from the joy of your presence. The last half of the psalm, he says, there's enemies everywhere. I'm surrounded. God, I trust you. I won't be shaken. But my joyfulness, my joyfulness only comes from the joy of your presence. Because whether every answer comes or no answer comes, it has to be about Jesus. It has to be about Jesus. 
The American church has fallen into the sway of this side of the seesaw and this side of the seesaw. And we've got all the answers, so we're good. We have no answers, so we're not good. Our president's in or our president's out. It's an election year. It's not an election year. City council's doing good. They're not doing good. Are you okay? It's going the way it should. It's not going the way it should. Business is up. Business is down. Things are good. Things are bad. And we live in this sway where our joy is affected by external circumstances. When there is a river that lives on the inside that is meant to flow from the throne and back towards the throne. Ezekiel 47, you know the river that flows from the temple. You know how there's a river flowing out of the temple? Ezekiel 40, the glory comes from the east into the temple. It flows back out the east towards the east. Why? Because the door of the tabernacle was on the east. The sun rises in the east and it points to the resurrected Christ. The church in America has to remember that the resurrected, crucified, living again Christ is enough joy for us. He's enough. He's enough. And whether He answers every prayer or no prayer, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And I don't care who does what, Jesus is enough joy for me. That doesn't mean I stop praying. It doesn't mean I stop petitioning. It surely doesn't mean that I stop obeying. It means that I live in this place where Paul called it godliness with contentment. It is godliness with contentment. It is this area where I refuse to lean too far back and I refuse to lean too far forward. I stand on the balance beam that is Christ and Him crucified. And when blessings come, I receive them with thanksgiving. And when hurts come, I receive them with sorrow. And I carry it to His nail-scarred feet. Because who else can help me anyways? Who else can help me anyways? But there is a fullness of joy. A fullness of joy for the people who are His. Not a half joy or a somewhat joy. A fullness of joy. Acts 1.8, we all know that one. Receive power from on high. Be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. We all got that one. You know where else that the Bible talks about the power of the Holy Spirit? Colossians, for endurance, steadfastness. What's he saying? power of the Holy Spirit is to move forward into the blessings of God. And it is to stand strong when the pains of this life come. Because it doesn't get to rob us of joy. It doesn't get to rob us of joy. And sometimes your joy is the greatest testimony to the people around you. It's the greatest testimony to the people around you. I want to see people get out of wheelchairs. I do. But sometimes the joy on a saint's face when they are walking through the greatest pains that this life could imagine, sometimes that joy on a saint's face is more testimony than that wheelchair could have ever provided. You could have lined up a hundred wheelchairs at every Benny Hinn conference from here till Jesus came back. And the people you work with may not have seen a greater testimony than when you came in with a smile on your face every day because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Him and Him alone. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I have, um, I don't know why, this is the second time I'm supposed to say this. 
at my office, there are like 10 exterior doors. And I have a key that opens all of them. And I never open any of them but one. Mostly because I park on one side and that's convenient. And it would be really silly to walk all the way around the building going another door. But I have access to all those doors. I've never, I shouldn't say I've never. I, I rarely ever walk through those doors. It doesn't change the fact that I have access to it. Gray does not check my timesheet or my login sheet or my check-in sheet and go, he never uses these doors, revoke his access. Jesus hasn't revoked your access to joy just because you haven't walked through the door. But he will not push you through that door. You can be a grumpy, sad, mean Christian and walk through the gates. He will not push you through the door of joy. But He will also not take your access. He will not take your access. But it is up to you to walk through the door. It is up to you. Jesus says in John 7 again, He says, if any man thirst, let him wait and I'll run to him. Come to me and drink and drink and drink and drink and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Because sometimes you just got to go to Jesus. If you want the joy that is, this may sound super simple, but sometimes the most simple things make the most sense to me. It's how my brain works. If you want the joy that is accessed, the joyfulness, the fullness of joy that is accessed only in his presence, you have got to go to his presence. You got to go to his presence. Don't live with your head in the mess of this world all day and then come home and go, where is my joy? Don't live. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks, Paul said. While you're making tents, yeah. while they're ripping off a piece of your clothes to carry it to demonize folks over in Ephesus so the demons will fly out, oh yeah, that's how it works. Because while you're making tents, your mind's set on Jesus. While you're making Excel spreadsheets, your mind is set on Jesus. While you're putting in the logs for the paint at PPG, your mind is set on Jesus. Why? Because I refuse to let the mess of this world steal my joy. I refuse. Because if it's only accessed in His presence, then I'm not coming out of His presence. I'm not coming out of His presence. I'm not. I'm not coming out of His presence. I'm going to stay there until I have access to the fullness of Entrance into the fullness of what He's given me access to. Joyful because of the joy of your presence. Stand with me. Does that make sense? The world needs a joyful church. Why would a sad world leave the world for a sad church? That sounds terrible. What is the appeal to the world? If we walk around as sad as they do. What is the appeal to the world if we walk around as sad and mopey as they do? Listen, it's one o'clock. If you've got to go for lunch, don't. If you've got to go for work, do. Because the Lord is here. Not because I've got something to say, but because the Lord is here. Listen to me. This is the most important part, well, outside of worship. This is the most important part of this section of the service. It is not what I had to say. It is what the Lord wants to do. It is what the Lord wants to do. And He wants to minister to your heart. Close your eyes for just a minute for me. And then we're going to let the Lord have His way for just a few minutes. You stick around for a few minutes for the Lord. I'm not trying to guilt you into it, but kind of. 
Listen, there are two, I know, two specific types of people in this room. A couple of us, some of us fall into those couple of categories. Some of us, man, we're pretty good. We're like, we're not depressed. Certainly not depressed. We would definitely not say that. We're like three quarters full on joy. We check the gas tank and we know we don't have to fill up for a while. But we do not have fullness. And we, Holy Spirit, right now, remind me. We could tell you the exact need that would fill up our joy. We can tell you the exact breakthrough that would make the difference. We're like three quarters, maybe even between three quarters in a full tank. And we're pretty good. But we know, God, if you answered that one request, it would put it over the top. I wouldn't be able to hold all the joy, God, if you answered that one request. Because my fullness isn't found in just you. It's found in you and. It's found in you and. That's some of us. Hang on just a minute. And there's other of it, others of us in here that we're on a little bit of different part of the spectrum. We would say we're disappointed in God. You would say you're frustrated with the Father. You feel unheard. You feel like He's turned His ear. You feel like he's not a good listener. And you certainly feel like he doesn't know how to find you or answer you any longer. If you are one or both of those categories, I don't know if you could be both. If you're one of those two categories, would you slip your hand up quickly, 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 quickly. There's more than three people. There's more than three people. If that's one of, if you're in one of those two categories. Yeah. Listen. The Lord is not calling you out. He is calling you up. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. This is a family. This is a family. The Lord doesn't call you out with stuff like this. He calls you up to His lap so He can wrap His arms around you. I want to invite you, if that's you, to come up front because we want to pray with you. No, there's no power in the altar. There is power in submitting to what the Lord is doing. There is power in saying yes to what the Lord is doing. And He wants to minister to broken hearts this morning. He is a loving, gracious Father who wants to touch broken hearts this morning. Who wants to heal hurts and pains this morning. He wants to desperately wrap His arms around you. So they are going to sing and we are going to pray, okay? They're going to sing and we're going to pray. Listen, if you are not up here, I want you to do one of the two things. I want you to pray or I want you to worship. The Lord is in the house. Don't become distracted and don't become just a, a spectator. Help your brothers and sisters. They need the Lord to touch their hearts this morning. Nate, go ahead. Thank you for listening today to the Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.